0: Good morning. Uh, For those of you who have not heard, uh, Pastor Curtis took a fall on Wednesday, fell and broke bones. I believe it was and broke both arms. It's a little, uh, um, I've heard two different stories on it. He had surgery Friday morning, had to go a second surgery to relieve some nerve tension. Um, He should be home today, but uh, in his place I will be standing here today. Um, He sent me an email saying that uh, he didn't think George Strait was going to be here today. Of course, Andy had to be over at Slater. Dennis Lee, he didn't think was going to be here today. So now I look out this morning, I see George. Uh, I see Dennis, and <laughs> here I am. <laughs> We'd like to welcome all our visitors this morning. Uh, we hope you feel welcome here, and will come back and worship with us again. Uh, we ask that you record your attendance and the attendance pads that are in the pews. A few announcements. The children will meet in the sanctuary tonight at 5.30, handbells at 5 o'clock. They will be preparing for next Sunday service. Well, They, they will give their Christmas program in this 11 o'clock service. Um, next week after the service in uh, about 2.30 when the Greer Parade comes through, the children will be serving hot cocoa and popcorn for the uh, parade viewers. Um, they'll be in front of our church. Um, stewardship cards. If anyone was not able to complete a stewardship pledge card last week. Uh, ushers have some cards. If you'd like one, just go ahead and raise your hand. Otherwise, you can find them in the narthex after the service. Tomorrow is, the, uh, December 2nd is the deadline for ordering poinsettias. You may use the order form in the bulletin or call the church office tomorrow. And finally, I'd like to direct your attention to the candles in the windows, around, eight windows around the sanctuary. Uh, these, Oil-filled candles were lovingly dedicated to the glory of God and in honor of our church by the Eula Mayfield Sunday School class. And we'd like to thank them for their generosity. These candles will be used by our church for many years to come. Now, let us prepare for worship. How shall we prepare this house for the coming of the King? With
1: the branches of cedar, the tree of the
0: Lord. How shall we prepare this house for the coming of the eternal Christ? With of time and forever, with are ever living, ever in. How shall we prepare this house for the coming of our Savior? How shall we prepare our hearts for the coming of the Son of God? The words of, God. The word of God? For God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Glory to God in the
2: highest. <clears throat> God will send a righteous king. Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David's righteousness branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. In ancient times, the cedar was revered as the tree of royalty, It also signified immortality and was used for purification. We place this cedar branch as a sign of Christ, who reigns as king forever, and whose coming in justice and righteousness will purify our hearts.
3: prophets declare a child will be born. Isaiah chapter nine, verse two and verses six through seven. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us, Authority rest upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and behold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this
0: because the needles of pine and fir trees appear not to die each season the ancients saw them as signs of things that last forever Isaiah tells us that there will be no end to the reign of the Messiah therefore we hang this wreath of evergreens shaped in a circle which itself has no end to signify the eternal reign of Jesus the Christ.
4: Fourth Servant Song, Isaiah 53, 1-6. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity, And as one from whom others hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him of no account. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases. Yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. When he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all.
2: For Christians, the Isaiah passage reflects the sufferings of Jesus, who saved us from our sins by his death on the cross and by his resurrection from the dead. In past times, holly and ivy were seen as signs of Christ's passion. Their prickly leaves suggest the crown of thorns, the red berries, the blood of the Savior, and the bitter bark, the drink offered to Jesus on the cross. As we place the holly and ivy, let us rejoice in the coming of Jesus our Savior.
5: Mystery of the Incarnation, John 1, 1, through 5, 9 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name,
3: As we prepare for the coming of Jesus, the light of the world, we light the Christmas tree. During this Advent, wherever you see a lighted Christmas tree, let it call to mind the one who brings light to our darkness, healing to our brokenness, and peace to all who receive him. Let us pray. Lord, we, we come with joy to celebrate the birth of your Son, who rescued us, us from the our darkness sin. of sin, by making the cross a tree of life and light. May this tree arrayed in splendor remind us of the life-giving cross of Christ, that we may rejoice in the new life that shines in our hearts. We ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
4: The prophet Isaiah
2: said, For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn.
1: We light this candle as a symbol of Christ our hope. May the light sent from God shine in the darkness to show us the way of salvation. O come, O come, Emmanuel.
0: At this time, will the children come forward for the children's moments with Katie Jeter?
2: Good morning. Hey, Noah. I'm glad you made it. How are y'all doing? Are you good? Is everybody good? Is everybody awake? Y'all are quiet. Well, I'm excited that I can be with y'all this morning. Miss Allison was going to be with y'all, but do you know what she's doing? She's loving on a new baby, so that's why I get to be with y'all today, so I'm excited. This is a special Sunday. It's the first Sunday in Advent, and there's a theme for this Sunday. And it is, Jesus is coming again, but when? And there's a Bible verse that kind of goes with that. I want to read it to you. It's from Matthew chapter 24, and I'm going to read verses 36 and 44. It says, no one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. So you must be ready because the son of man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So Natalie's helping me out. And she's going to hold up what I brought with me this morning. What did I bring? Can everybody see my clock? So I remember when I was young and in school, I learned how to tell time. And we used a clock like this, but it didn't have the cover on it. So we could move the hands. Have y'all seen that? Or you can spin it around. So we learned that the long hand, we hold it up. The long hand tells us what? Yeah. And the short hand is? And the little one that goes around? Right, so y'all, are, y'all already know everything. So what time does that look like? It is right now. 11.21. Um, okay, and isn't it so much easier if I pick up my phone and look at this, and what time is it? So we did good, right? What kind of clock is this? Yeah, so it's really easy to pick that up and just read the numbers, isn't it? But we can, we can tell time both ways. So, what if, what are some reasons that you would want to check the clock and see what time it is? Are you like, is it time for lunch yet? Do you look at the clock for that? Yeah, what else? Why would you look at the clock? And if you can't tell time, you might ask somebody what time it is. Recess, yeah. What else? Sports. Okay. Any other examples? What about Maggie? Okay, so you're wondering what time, what time, oh, okay. What about if you were going to the movies with a friend and you, would you be asking your mom, is it two o'clock yet, or asking grandma, can you tell me what time it is? You kind of look in I don't know when that time is coming, right? Well, in the Bible. Jesus tells us that he is going to come again, but what he doesn't tell us is what time it's going to be. So that means that we have to be ready now since we don't know what time he's going to come so that we're ready when he gets here. So I was thinking about in anticipation of Christmas, we want to be ready for Christmas and we want to be ready to celebrate him. And how do we do that? What are ways that we get ready for Christmas and prepare? Sarah? Okay, what else? We wear Christmas clothes. Yeah? Yeah. Well, what are ways that we need to prepare ourselves for Jesus returning? Is that kind of a harder question? What do we need to do, Sarah? Yeah, that's good things. What else? Do you remember what we talked about this morning? What are other ways? Lauren, you have any ideas? No? Sarah? It's things like loving one another, caring for the sick, feeding the hungry, and helping the poor. So really, the same thing that we're doing to prepare for Christmas is the same thing we need to do to prepare for Jesus coming back. We need to think less about what we're getting and more about what we're giving to others. Do you think y'all can do that with me this Christmas season? I think that would be a good So as we close our children's sermon this morning, will you repeat the prayer after? dear Jesus, help us to live in such a way
1: way.
2: that we are ready whenever you come. Amen.
1: Amen.
0: Let us now worship with our offerings as the ushers come forward. Romans 13, 11 through 14. Knowing the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is nearly over and the daylight is near. So let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk with decency as in the daylight, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no plans to satisfy the fleshly desires. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to be God. God. Advent is the Christian season where we, we remember the anticipation and hope surrounding the coming of Christ, the coming of the King and the Savior some 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. The people of that day were anticipating one that would come to free them from their Roman oppressors and restore the kingdom to its promised greatness. We can draw a comparison with college football fans anxiously awaiting the entrance of their team that they hope will emerge from the game victorious by soundly defeating their opponent. We can think of the traditions of Clemson touching Howard's Rock and then running down the hill, or South Carolina charging the field to the sounds of 2001 A Space Odyssey, or my beloved Miami Hurricanes entrance through the smoke. These traditions cause a frenzy of excitement. Everyone knows that something is about to happen. Now look at the entrance we are presented with in this Advent season. We had people 2,000 years ago hoping that their side will emerge victorious. They are waiting for their hero to make the entrance into the arena. Does he enter with great fanfare? Not really. We have some angels rejoicing. Shepherds are notified. Sometime later, some wise men from the east stop by. I imagine it was a relatively quiet night in Bethlehem. This baby in a lowly manger probably wasn't what most were looking for or hoping for. It would be like being back at the football stadium with all the music and smoke and excitement, and then all we have come down the hill is the punter. Often someone with a name we can't pronounce, wearing shoes that don't match, a, a helmet that looks like somebody didn't follow the assembly instructions, and their purpose for being there is to give the ball to the other team. It doesn't fit the description of a hero. Likewise, baby Jesus didn't seem to fit the expectation of the long-awaited Messiah. While his entrance didn't fit the expectation, his exit seemed to defy rational thought. But we have to deal with it. We can't make sense of the birth of the human incarnation of God without considering his death and resurrection. If we were to lose Christmas, we would lose just a couple chapters off the front of Matthew and Luke. But if we lose the death and resurrection, we lose most of the New Testament. We would lose our hope. In the story of Jesus, the long-awaited Savior is defeated in a humiliating death on the cross. But yet, in this defeat, Jesus is declared the victor. Why would they declare a man that was defeated in this way to be the Messiah and God in the flesh and to be bodily resurrected from the dead? The Messiah was supposed to free them from the Roman oppressors and restore the kingdom to its promised greatness. Being crucified by those same Roman oppressors would seem to be certain defeat. But still, the early Christians came away claiming that despite the fact of this crucifixion, this Jesus is the Messiah, that he is victorious. This seems to defy logic. There were other Messiah figures in the first century, and when they were defeated, no one thought of coming away saying that they really were the Messiah. Their followers either ran away giving up their messianic expectations or they found another Messiah. So why was this time different? There are lots of proposed explanations, but none have the explanatory power or explanatory scope as the idea that Jesus truly was raised in bodily form from the dead, leaving an empty tomb behind, and then appeared physically to many. Christ has turned the world upside down. Our hope is not in His life, but in his death and resurrection. In this Christmas season, we will hear many companies telling us what we deserve. We deserve a nicer car. We deserve a better night's rest. We deserve nicer clothes, a better meal, a break today. In reality, it's not that they think so highly of us, but they, that they want us to think highly of ourselves. They want us to believe that we deserve the very best. But we are all guilty of the deeds of darkness that I read about a few moments ago from Romans. So why should we think so highly of ourselves? Choosing to become human, Christ has proclaimed our worth. No other worldview or religion has anything like this. All others require steps one must take and works one must do to try to make oneself worthy, a status that no one could ever know if they have actually achieved. But in the Christian message of hope, the hope of Advent, the steps have already been taken for us. We could not accomplish them ourselves, so the one true God, the God of love, took them for us. He values us so much that He took the steps for us, and He took on the cross what we deserve. The Christian message in this Advent season are not about what we deserve, but instead about what we have been given that we don't deserve, that is, the gift of eternal life which is to know God, and to be in relationship with Him. For God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. Amen.